Hey everyone, it's Joe Gray, Central City Church. Welcome to uh, Good Friday, Friday of Holy Week. The day that we sit with and remember the one who died for us. That God would become one of us and be faced with all of the human brokenness, all of the anger and greed, jealousy, lust for power, all of that, all the anger, all of that could be conjured up, pushed against Jesus to the point of pushing him onto a cross. And in that, he still loves us. I'm going to read today a longer passage. It's Matthew chapter 27. We'll start with verse 27. We'll look at the story of Jesus mocked, Jesus who's crucified, and Jesus who eventually dies and just what happens as a result. So as I read these words, I invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you, that we might imagine for ourselves what it'd be like to be there on that day. Matthew 27, verses 27 to 54. Here it is. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him, took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put on his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself! If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, and he cannot save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and, he, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him if he, de- if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. From noon until three in the afternoon, Darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. 
At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. God, forgive us for our violence, for the violent ways we talk to each other, for the ways that we mock and make fun of people, for the ways that we mob up and begin to think and and argue, for the ways in which we allow society to tell us what we should care about and who we should love. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways in which we are violent towards one another and for which the ways humanity was violent towards you. Show us a better way. In your name, amen. Well, I learned something new. And you might know this already. I didn't know it. You know, the old-timey Christian religion often talked about Jesus dying on the cross as the road to Calvary. And uh, I ought to be honest with you, I never thought anything of it. I just, you know, I just never thought anything of it. And I didn't really know what it meant. But Calvary, of course, means something. Um, uh, You know, it it usually means something related to war. So I wasn't really, you know, like I said, I didn't think about it. But, you know, if I had, I would have been, I would have just assumed it was tied to that. Well, it's funny, it, Golgotha is the place where Jesus was hung on the cross, and it, it, it literally translates as skull. Uh, the Bible translates it as the place of the skull, so it's just known as a place as a skull. And some people say maybe because the, the place looked like a skull, or maybe it was a, most likely, though, it was just a place where they hung people on a cross, so there was likely, you know, potentially skulls laying around. Who, who knows? But um, the Latin uh, word for Golgotha, or skull, is Calvaria. And uh, so that's obviously where that comes from. And I didn't know that. So if you didn't know that as well, you're welcome. Calvary, uh, Calvaria is uh, uh, the Latin word for skull. And, and that's that's really what we're talking about is Jesus on his way to the place called the skull to die. It probably wasn't a hill. It was probably a busy public thoroughfare. That's often where um, the Romans liked to hang their prisoners. They wanted it to be a public display, and so Jesus was probably put on display. And, and that's how the story is told here. Jesus was in a place where there were a lot of people who were able to see it. I know that seems strange to us. We uh, we still sadly practice capital punishment in uh, the United States and in many other countries, um, but we we are so civilized that we want to pretend like we don't. So we put it behind closed doors, and we don't televise it, as far as I know. And a few people can go and watch, I guess. I'm not really sure, but we try to. It, it's much. It's not nearly as public, but it wasn't so long ago in America and in other places where people were killed on display. Um, and certainly during this time, it was a public display. Uh, to remind people of, of what they shouldn't do. They shouldn't be like Jesus. If you're like Jesus, you'll end up on a cross too. That's what they were supposed to say. Now, in the beginning of this passage, you see that uh, um, Jesus has offered a drink. And 
Um, one of the things we see in all of the Gospels is that Jesus chooses not to drink it. Uh, this particular uh, mixture, this one calls it gall. Um, one of the things we know is that none of the evangelists want us to portray Jesus as drugged. So this was a this was a drink that would help Jesus ease the pain. It would help him get a little drunk or a little high, um, and help him uh, manage the pain better. And Jesus rejects it. And and, it, and and it's most likely for one reason. Jesus needs to be able to think and speak clearly. And so if Jesus Jesus actually does say a few things from the cross in Matthew, he says one, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, what he says is important because Jesus refuses pain management in order to be able to speak and think clearly, even on the cross, which is crazy. And this is what he has to say in the Gospel of Matthew. He yells out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Jesus is, of course, quoting the Old Testament as he often did, as we've seen in the previous days of Holy Week. He cries out to God, uh, pulling from Psalm 22. And that's interesting. If you go and read Psalm 22, it starts out right right there. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a, it's a cry for divine vindication. God, come and make this right. Why are you allowing this to happen? That's, that's where the psalmist starts. That's where Jesus is. Um, the psalm doesn't end there, though. And, and it's interesting because Jesus' story doesn't end here either. It starts there. The psalm starts there, and that's where Jesus is at this moment, and it's an important part of Jesus' story. It's an important part of the gospel. Deep desperation. But the psalm doesn't stop there. It goes on to promise that God will deliver them. That's how lament psalms often go. They start from a place of desperation, but they begin to move into a place that I know God will. God will come. God will make this right, that even in death, God can find a way to make this right. And then it goes on to celebrate that God is delivering. This idea that God I, God has promised to deliver me, I'm going to begin celebrating it as if God has delivered me. So it goes on to promise it and then to celebrate God's deliverance from those who suffer. And then it ends, and this is really interesting. Psalm 22 ends where even the nations, or a.k.a. the Gentiles, join in the celebration. <laughs> it ends with this idea that, that even all of creation, all of the world, all of the nations will celebrate when God delivers the ones who suffer. You know, it's interesting that in this one cry, very honest, very sincere, very human cry. God, why have you forsaken me? Easily one of the more human moments of God on earth. That we also have a picture of the salvation story. A salvation story that's told in the book of Exodus when he delivers his people to every time that God comes and delivers, God, I am in need. I am crying out. And God says, I will deliver you. And when I do, you'll celebrate. And that deliverance will eventually extend far beyond the people of Israel to every nation on earth. That is the power of the cross.
Jesus lets out his last breath and the temple curtain is split, ruining the temple, by the way. They just mocked him for it. They said, if you're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, you're right. Well, at his death, the temple curtain splits and the temple's of no use. There's an earthquake. Who knows if it was even still standing. And then it says this crazy thing, the tombs opened and the people, holy men and women who had died were brought back to life. And it's this beautiful picture that even before Jesus' resurrection, God's resurrection power is being released in Jesus' death. Something big was happening. Even in Jesus' despair, God was still working. Even in death, God is still working. Friends, this is good news. Hey friends, thanks for listening to today's uh, Holy Week podcast with the Central City Daily Readings. And I do hope that you'll join us tonight for our Good Friday service. We're going to spend some more time with the story. Uh, We're going to create space for us to imagine what it would be like to be there as we walk with the footsteps of Jesus uh, to uh, Calvary. So I hope you'll join us 630 on Good Friday and then join us for Easter on Sunday at 930. Friends, I sure hope I'll, I'll get the chance to see you there.